Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins podcast. Today, we are doing something totally different. This is our listener follow-up segment that will close out our imposter syndrome series and being enough. And I'm here with Dr. Renee St. Jock again, yay. And we're just doing a short segment today addressing some of the listener comments and questions that came out of the last segment together. And I'm really excited. This is the very first time I've done anything like this and we had a pretty good response. And so we tried to pull out just a few questions to try to keep this segment around 15 to 20 minutes, um, but really excited to hear what you all think of it. So welcome, Renee. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Sam. I'm so happy to have you here. And I think we'll with that, we'll just dive into our first question. So our first question is a meaty one around the current news headlines about college admissions, which I know is on everybody's mind right now. So the question one is, how does the current news story of the superstar parents that paid their kids way into college fit with the message of you are not enough? Is it implicit or explicit? Are there other ways as parents we might send this message to our kids without realizing it? Sometimes I feel like I'm trying to help, but I wonder if I'm really hurting my kids by trying to solve some of their problems. Oh, that's such a good question. It is. Yeah, here's some thoughts on that. I think that there really are two imposters here. So it's not just the kids, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe a message to them that you're not enough. But I believe that the parents struggle with imposter syndrome, mm -hmm. if anything, much more. Oh, for the parents, for the parents, I believe it's I am not enough unless unless I am able to make my kids happy, or mm -hmm. if my kids' success shows that I am successful. Mm. And I believe this is something that most parents can identify with. Yeah. How many of us believe that the our kids are a reflection of how successful we are, our mm -hmm. worthiness, our, how much we are enough? Mm -hmm. And then for the kids, it's it's something along the lines of I am not enough to get into my dream school by my own merit. Mm -hmm. In fact, that could be a message from themselves or from their parents, definitely from this kind of uh, scandal, right? Mm -hmm. And so. In many ways, it's implicit. I don't think anybody's explicitly saying this or admitting mm -hmm. this to themselves. But now that it's a public story, there's something about it that's so explicit. Mm -hmm. And talk about that that quote that I ended the last segment um, with Brené Brown about hustling for your worth. Yes. This is hustling for your worth to the point where you're paying mm -hmm. for your way through. And yeah. so anytime a parent is swooping in to fix something, I really believe that implicitly there is a message that you're not enough. Mm -hmm. And so on some level, we're here as parents to help unblock things and, and be a support for our kids. But when it comes to a place where we are constantly fixing and everything back to the child when they're expressing any issues or any um, any struggles is a solution, mm -hmm. then, then it really can be quite harmful. There isn't a balance between listening for listening's sake and solutions. It's just yes. fixing. So a few thoughts about fixing and why in general it can be harmful and specifically, you know, this dynamic with parents and kids Number one, it's solution focus, not person focus, not focus on the child. What does the child feel or what, the, what are the child experiencing emotionally or the struggle that's behind it? 
it's, it could somewhat be demeaning and talking mm-hmm. at and not with, right? Mm-hmm. You're not really joining the experience of the, of the child. Um, and it could be invalidating on some level. And then it's also, I really I mentioned this last time, but it's, it's also about managing your own anxiety. It's, it's about them not being okay and that's causing you anxiety as opposed to attending to what's actually st- the struggle on hand with them. Mm-hmm. And so my suggestion in that case in general would be, would be uh, to emotionally validate and comfort first. So joining the experience of your, your child and, and understanding what's there and without fixing and really just mm-hmm. curbing that, that tendency or that temptation to automatically fix. Mm-hmm. And then the problem solving should come later. It should come only if they ask for it. And I think it's a good thing to just in general get in the habit with friends or family to just ask, do you want advice or do you want to be just heard? Like, is there something I can do to support you and let them define it as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, cause many times it's just, they want to vent and you know, that's not right. That's just right. It. And it solves itself. Right. I love that you're saying all of that because, you know, I know in the last podcast we touched on the whole fixing thing as it relates to like being in a relationship or a mm. spouse. Um, but I haven't stopped to think about it as much in terms of being a parent. This is like therapy for me. Oh my gosh. It's so, <laughs> this is so good. It's so good. Um, so thanks for that. So our next question is not necessarily a question. It's more of a comment, but it really resonated with me because I think it's, um, it really speaks to everything we have talked about in the imposter syndrome series and sort of gives a voice to probably how a lot of people are feeling this, um, this listener in particular, just felt brave and decided to, you know, email me with the story. And so I want to read it. I'm going to keep it anonymous um, because I don't have a massive listener base yet. But so here's the comment. I don't think of imposter syndrome as a syndrome. It is a disease that robs me of joy. It permeates all facets of my being and stops me from feeling fully included, fully myself and fully happy. It often shows up when I am in vulnerable situations, leading a work project, working with customers, or when I am performing in my hobby of community theater. The thing that I have had to learn is to turn down the volume of the imposter syndrome. I can't seem to eliminate that voice. I think of it as an extension of my flight or fight response. My brain is only trying to protect me, so I have learned to name the imposter when it rears its head. When I am presenting to a customer and my imposter syndrome says, you are screwing it up and they know it, I work to turn down the volume. My imposter syndrome likes to repeat itself, which is usually my sign that it is imposter syndrome and not the true situation. When I am performing, my imposter syndrome says, you aren't good enough and you are messing up several times in a row. I know it's my imposter syndrome and I have to remind myself, I've done this for many years and I'm good at this. And when my imposter syndrome changes tactics and tries to tell me to keep my mouth shut and not speak up when leading a work project, I have to tell it to keep its mouth shut. I can't say I'm perfect at it, and there are days where it wins, but I'm working on improving my relationship with it moving forward. That's great. Yeah, it just was a really sort of vulnerable Mm -hmm. story, and I think... I really resonated. And I think a lot of people, as we've been doing this series, I've had so many people say to me, as you and I talked about, you know, I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was, but they're having all of these same feelings. They just didn't have a name for it. So 
Um, so tell me just a little bit about your response. I'm sure that resonates with you. It does. And I think it's a great illustration of some of the things I was mentioning in my um, last podcast around the automatic thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. It's that broken record that speaks negatively, right? And the cognitive behavioral therapy is a, is a great way to frame that. And so when it comes to like that comment about keeping its mouth shut, it's about replacing it with a more rational thought. Mm-hmm. Many times we will not be able to replace it completely and it will be noisy and, and it will still say things, right? But we can start changing the grooves in our brain that we talked about, right? Um, yes. and, and impacting the, the ways we, we think, uh, the neural yep. pathways. So definitely an illustration of that. So thank you so much for contributing that, whoever contributed that. Yes, I know. And I love just going back quickly to the, the grooves in your brain. Mm-hmm. I have talked so much about that since you introduced that um, concept in the last podcast. And it's amazing how I think it just gives people a really great visual of what actually happens when we hear or think negative things over and over. And just that visual of being able to overcome that and replace it with something more life-giving and positive. It's just, I think that that example um, was particularly powerful. I'm hearing from listeners. So thank you for that. You're welcome. So our next question is, it's interesting because it's something that I particularly struggle with, although the question's not for me. Um, So the question is, I've recently started doing some consulting on podcasts and really enjoying this work. I want to start to consult with more people, but I feel like I'm facing this obstacle, which I think is imposter syndrome. I'm worried that by putting myself out there and claiming that I'm an expert at something, I'm going to end up feeling like a fraud. If I don't know everything about audio production, which I don't because I've only been doing this for a year and a half. So do I lean into vulnerability and open up about how new I am at this? Or do I fake it until I make it and figure out the missing pieces on the fly? I don't want to undersell myself, but I also don't want to be constantly anxious about having all the answers all the time. What would you suggest I do? That's a great question. I think Mm -hmm. that that question between there's a difference between vulnerability and fake it until you make it right. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I believe it's a balance between them both because on some level, right. um, There is a level of like, yeah, I don't know everything. But, mm-hmm. uh, and, but another level, we also have to balance that with a more rational thought. The rational thought here, right, is I'm not perfect, but no one is. Mm-hmm. No one knows everything about audio production or <laughs> podcast making or anything like that. I mean, really, it's true. No, that's such a black and white statement to think yeah. that anybody knows everything about anything, right? Yeah. So, so, but the thing is that this person knows some things. So saying, mm-hmm. yeah, I may not be perfect at it. I may not know everything, but guess what? Nobody does. And, but mm-hmm. I know some things and mm-hmm. whatever I don't know, I will learn. Right. But yeah. Things that you do know, you can provide instant value around. And so, um, I, I think that is, that's been my personal mode, um, yeah. when it comes to things that I have ventured off to do that I haven't done before. Um, yeah. but realizing, you know what? I have value. And might not know everything. I'm going to learn and grow along the way. Um, yeah. But 
I, I think the word fake it is also a dangerous word. Like we yes. have to be it, that it, that itself can be negative. Right. And mm-hmm. that itself is fake and imposter <laughs> means the yep. same thing. Right. Yeah. And so kind of veering away from that kind of terminology in our mind can help us realize, you know what, at the end of the day, we're not imposters. We're not fakes. Mm-hmm. We just don't know everything. And guess what? Mm-hmm. We're in company. We're in company. Mm-hmm. And it's more about um, emphasizing our value add as opposed to emphasizing all that we don't know. Yes. Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I feel so much of that as I talk about all the time on the podcast. I mean, this is a year of new things for me in a lot of ways. And um, I definitely if you if you were to go back and listen to my first, maybe even my first couple of podcasts, I think I even use that term fake it. Um, and I think even just through this series, I'm trying really hard just to switch my mindset and my words and the things I'm telling myself into, um, more positive language. And it is sort of amazing how it does change. It changes how I feel like I've sort of been able, even with the podcasting, I'm sort of getting better at letting go of feeling like such an imposter and just being like, Well, I sort of am. I mean, but I think I deserve to be here and I'm having fun and I'm adding value and I don't necessarily know, you know, what I'm doing, but I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now. And it's, I, what I'm finding is that the more I step into that space, the more people actually respond in a positive way. It's almost like it gives them permission or them freedom So I just really so appreciate your advice and I am so grateful that you came on the show and I know it's been so insightful and powerful for so many people. I've had such a big response to the whole imposter syndrome series. Um, And again, I just so appreciate you putting the science behind it because it's a real thing. And so Thank you so much for the awesome insight and for participating in the series. And I hope that you'll come to us again. Oh, you have so much knowledge on many other topics. Um, And so thank you for being here and taking the time to record with me again. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. You're so welcome. And thanks to all of you for listening. I hope you found this informative and thought provoking. Be sure to tune in to the next podcast where I talk with King Five's Jordan Steele about living life outside of the box. It's a fun and meaningful conversation. And until then, have courage, be kind, and give yourself and others grace.